Today on the Zavecast, the NFL needs a new unnecessary spokesman. Well, I'm officially volunteering. Could we have a pitch clock in baseball? And guess what? The League of Babies has struck again. GQ and Deadspin's Drew McGarry in a sit-down on his Frank Grimes moment with Bill Simmons' latest Patriot piece. All that plus the most brilliant church marketing I've ever seen. You got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. Friday, Jan 19, 2018. Thank you so much for listening to the Zabecast. I am your host, Steve Zaban. That's C-Z-A-B-A-N. It's Polish, for those that may be wondering. And it was probably shortened from Zabonski or Chabonski. I bet my ancestors chopped off the SKI. And somewhere along the line, my family said, well, we're going to go with uh, Zabin with a silent C on the front. It does make for, oh, so much fun explaining to people on the phone, how do you spell your name? So I just say that because there are people that are listening to this for the first time and don't know who I am, who have been recommended to this podcast from somebody else. I am finding people coming out of the woodwork saying, ah, I listen to podcasts all the time, and I just happen to be searching for your name, and boom, this Zabecast popped up. I'm, I'm delighted. I used to listen to you on you know, Yahoo Sports Radio, and before that, Sporting News Radio, and before that, Fox Sports Radio, and I wondered what idiot, what shine for brains would cancel your show, and well, here you are again. So thank you for that, and tell two friends that don't even know who I am or what I'm all about. All right, let's go to the news, big news of yesterday, one of the big news items, at least it was to me, and that is the NFL has fired Joe Lockhart, their flunky spokesperson, not the redheaded spokes ape, because he's not good at speaking on behalf of the league, so they hired another guy along the way in the last couple of years, Joe Lockhart, this longtime Democrat uh, spokesperson who had worked in a bunch of different places, all Democrat you know, leaning places, and he was going to oversee, I guess his title was, you know, communications director or something like that for the NFL. They said that he was resigning to spend more time with his family, which is, of course, the biggest crock of bull ever, ever in business or in sports. Everyone's got a family, at least most of us do. We all love them, at least most of us do. I don't want anyone hiding behind the skirt of their family when they come out and make a decision. I want to spend more time with my family. Hey, working people work, and yes, they find time for their family when it's time for the family. But there's no, you shouldn't be like, well, I got to quit this job because I need to spend more time with my family. That's a crock. Some people actually believe it, and some people, I suppose, actually do spend more time with the family, but I bet those, you know, Guys, they end up quickly going, okay, I've had enough time with the family. i got to go back to working. Of course, this is taking it at face value that Lockhart indeed resigned and was not fired. I would doubt sincerely that he actually resigned on his own accord because it's a sweet job. It pays, I'm sure, fantastic. I bet he gets free tickets. I bet he get free, gets free helmets. By the way, thank you to everybody yesterday yesterday. As I was talking on ESPN 980 about the 
helmet obsession and people's gumball helmets. Well, it started with me talking about how I gave away my set of 32 NFL gumball helmets, not vintage from the 70s you get out of the machines, but ones I had purchased from Walmart or something uh, a while back. And I had given them away at the office when I was cleaning out and moving my office to a different office. And Scott Lynn saw them sitting on the counter, the, the takeaway counter, like, here, here's a bunch of stuff, USB cables, whatnot, books. If anyone wants them, take them. Otherwise, we're throwing them away. And he found the helmets, took them. He took them home to his son, uh, the, young, the youngest of his two boys, Kaysen, 10 years old. And Kaysen was over the moon happy. <gasps> Dad, really? Can I have the? Who, where did the? And Mr. Steve. Those were his. Call him and thank him. So I get a phone call, and it's young Kaysen. Mr. Zabin, thank you very much for the helmets. I really love them. (laughs) Oh, so great. Warmed my heart that young boys could still be into these kind of things. So, yeah, I bet bet Lockhart could have gotten game-worn helmets if he wanted. Or fake game-worn helmets from Eli Manning. (laughs) Ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. See what I did there? Okay. So... Who quits a job like this? Nobody in their right mind. It probably paid a million dollars. And I know you're thinking to yourself, whoa, a million dollars? Yeah. Here's from the Seth Wickersham and Don Van Atta piece on ESPN.com. This will tie into what I talked to Drew McGarry about uh, in our sit-down regarding Wickersham reporting and guys who just want to dismiss, oh, yeah, no, I don't believe that. This is a great piece about Goodell and Jerry Jones, the showdown that occurred, the Cuban Missile Crisis, as I'd call it, that happened mid-season, where Jerry is like, let's slow down here. I don't know why we're extending this idiot's contract. I mean, ratings are down. We got the anthem controversy. What are we doing? And all the other owners are like, nah, just give Goodell what he wants. So this was, was during the height of that. Don Van Atta, Seth Wickersham, ESPN.com. Look it up. It's a great piece. Here's what they write, quote, what troubled Jones more than the crises was the way Goodell had responded. In most cases, Goodell expanded the power of the league office and broadened its scope, adding executives, many of whom are paid seven-figure salaries and given generous operating budgets. Among those additional layers of upper management included Jeff Miller overseeing the league's health and safety policy in response to head injuries. Former Manhattan prosecutor Lisa Friel to investigate criminal allegations in the wake of Ray Rice. She was, of course, the one that did Jerry Jones dirty on Zeke Elliott. Longtime sports executive Todd Lewicki to be the chief operating officer to, quote, manage the new cabinet. So there's another million-dollar stooge managing the rest of the million-dollar stooges. Also... He hired former White House spokesman and league consultant Joe Lockhart to run public relations and attempt to rehabilitate Goodell's own image. How about that? Hires a guy just to fluff up his own image. I guess Jane Skinner's fake Twitter accounts were not doing the trick. Well, you know, I wanted to get somebody who could address our community issues and could let people know that I'm a good guy. And even though I talk like this and I'm, you know, uh, I'm the commissioner. I'm really a scared little boy inside and I don't know what I'm doing. Also, Barry Pacheski wrote on Deadspin the case against Goodell at about the same time and he talks about how in the Wickersham and Van Atta piece, 
Bob Kraft himself referred to the league as, quote, bloated. And that Venata and Wickersham's reporting indicated that Goodell's shadow government is viewed by the owners as anything ranging from, and these are not compliments you're about to hear, incompetent to superfluous to being an office full of Rasputins who have turned Goodell into a paranoid, ineffective leader. In fact, they say a number of these million-dollar executives are marginalizing themselves on purpose so that they can survive. Said one unnamed source in the quote, uh, or in the piece, one owner, quote, the executives want to protect themselves by isolating Roger. They don't care if they burn the league down to keep their jobs. So the thought that you had old, uh, uh, what's his name, quit on his own, I don't think so. That said, I am offering my services Uh, Now that Joe Lockhart is out, I am offering my services to the NFL to be the new spokesman or director of communications or VP of snacks, whatever you want to call me. It doesn't matter. I don't even need that big of an office. No, just something decent. Give me a decent operating budget. I need to hire some of my flunkies to run around and do my things. But, oh, I will will defend Roger Goodell. (gasps) Wait, you, Zabe? Don't you rip him every chance you get? Don't you say, don't you call him the redheaded spokes? ape? Ah, yes, I do. But who would you want more on your side than somebody who is so effective at mocking and ridiculing and attacking the commissioner? See? I'm the guy you should get. Hey, I can put on a different hat. I gotta go where the golden goose goes. For a million dollars a year? Trust me. I'll defend Roger Goodell like a a pit bull with rabies. You watch. And I will make good arguments on his behalf, or at least the best that I can. So I need to find out. If anyone knows where to send in my resume for that job, uh, let me know, because I'd love to see it. On to the championship game picks. Let me get these on record. I think that we've been spoiled here in the last 10 years in the NFL as fans for Super Bowls. We have had seven of the last 10 Super Bowls qualify in my book as absolute thrillers. Overtimes, like last year. Or last-second plays like the interception of Russell Wilson on the goal line. And on and on and on. Seven out of the last ten Super Bowls have been one-score games, and I think the seven one-score games have been all thrillers. Plus, when it comes to quarterbacks, look at these quarterbacks that have been in the Super Bowl the last ten years. I'll start with the worst. Joe Flacco and Colin Kaepernick are the worst quarterbacks to have appeared in the last ten years. And Flacco was hot that month, and Kaepernick was the hottest thing in the NFL just about. Then you had guys like Cam Newton, Kurt Warner, Eli Manning, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Big Ben, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. That's the entire list of quarterbacks that we have had in the last 10 years on Super Sunday. And we are staring down the barrel of (laughs) Foles versus Bortles or Keenum versus Bortles. I'm telling you, the league needs the Patriots this weekend, this Sunday, more than anything else. They need it badly. Because if it is Jacksonville, Minnesota, or Jacksonville, Philly, and I'm not sure it makes any difference, I think, I mean, I'd like to see Jackson. Minnesota's my preference, obviously, being a Redskin fan. And nothing against Jacksonville, but I cannot, I no, I just, 
a whole week of them leading up to no. Bortles. Oh, God. I'll, I'll even take Brady and the Cheatriots one more time instead of that. But I think that this Tom Brady hand injury is serious. And I here's my clue as to how it, I think it's serious. They're not talking about it. They're being very buttoned up and secretive about it. And that tells me, uh-oh, we got a possible problem. I think the Patriots win on Sunday, but they do not cover. I think it is a war. I think there are at least two Tom Brady interceptions. Saxonville's going to get after him. And I just feel like there's going to be some controversial call that benefits the Patriots, like some have said has happened all year long. And I think it's going to be talked about a lot on Monday. Just my gut feel about that one. My other pick, I'm taking the Eagles. I'm taking the Eagles plus the points, but as Jimmy Masterlock once said, you, you may like the points, you may want the points, and you will get the points. But guess what? You're not going to need them. I am riding the underdogs. I think underdog mojo tops destiny dust with Minnesota, and I will buy into the Drew Olson refractory period between the Vikings shooting their load last Sunday to this game coming up this Sunday. I just got a feeling it's going to happen that no underdog city rises up quite like Philadelphia. There will be a billion of those stupid rubber dog masks in the stands, and somehow Nick Foles... And Doug Peterson are going to find a way to get it done. Philly, New England, rematch of whatever Super Bowl that was in Jacksonville. Uh, in 2003, 2004, something like that. And uh, T.O. put on a hell of a display that day, but just couldn't get it done. McNabb barfed on the field because he was not in very good shape. And Tom Brady was Tom Brady. And I believe, oh, who was the wide receiver for the Patriots? Good receiver that uh, I think caught a billion passes. That's my pick. Okay. Enough of that. To the NBA we go real quick. Uh, Well, let me start with the pitch clock in baseball. This is great. Apparently, baseball's Players Association said, no, we don't want a pitch clock. We're going to turn that down. Okay, fine. The The Major League Baseball says, we do have the right to impose it upon you. And there's serious talk, like they've implemented in minor league baseball, of a major league pitch clock. This, to me, would be so awesome. It would be the first league that has taken a radical step to address their own products pacing not necessarily the overall length it's just the pacing of it this is a great first step if it really happens and i'd love to see it and then finally before i get to drew the league of babies so yesterday scotland was explaining to me how here are the two captains for the all-star game in the nba and they were the two top vote getters it was lebron and steph curry or steph curry and lebron one of the two and then he named the other starters And I said, okay, so how's this going to work? And he's like, well, now the captains are going to pick their teams. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Not only should they be picking their teams on live TV, but they should be doing it in front of everybody. And that's not going to happen according to Rachel Nichols and others who know the NBA. In fact, Rachel Nichols had a six-minute piece on this on her TV show, and it was a really good piece, and I did retweet it. you can go to Zabe.com or at Zabe on Twitter to check it out. And she's like, look, kids on the playground do this in front of a brick wall with no problem. You're telling me millionaires can't actually say, I'll take, you know, I'll take Harden, I'll take Westbrook, I'll take so-and-so on down the line? Apparently not. Apparently the league of big, butthurt, high school team drama babies cannot even do this. So maybe Adam Silver should swoop in and make them do it. 
force them like baseball is going to force a pitch clock <laughs> on Major League Baseball against their wishes. All right, Drew McGarry sat down with me in his own house. He was so nice to welcome me in on a snow day in which a withering half an inch of fluffy, melty snow had kept his kids home for the day. I got to meet all the little scamps who are all Redskin fans, believe it or not. Got to meet the lovely Mrs. McGarry. And we sat down and chatted about, oh, sports, sports reporting, sports writing, Bill Simmons, jealousy, money, etc. And I think you'll like it. So you were so you were saying you were a wreck for the Viking game. I all I do is I think of you and Charge as the two biggest Viking fans I know when it comes to you know the Vikings. Right. And I'm thinking what was what was Drew doing at that very moment? I was uh, I was a mess. I was downstairs and I was screaming and I was yelling and my son is looking at me like you have to calm down. First of all, we are right now in Drew's house, and I've met the Drew clan. Yes. Your three children, all three of whom you say are Redskins fans. Yeah, probably more Skins fans than Vikings fans. How yes. the hell did that happen? Because they live here. I don't... But I did, You I, could have indoctrinated them as Viking fans. You know... What did you say to them? My philosophy was, if I tried to push them there... They would just end up being like Green Bay fans or something. <laughs> like it would, it just wouldn't work. They you were, were afraid of losing them to the dark side of yeah, Green Bay. Yeah, I just figured they would rebel and they wouldn't follow it anyway. And I would get all pissed because I because they <laughs> didn't do what I wanted. So I was like, you know what? Root for whoever you root for. And really, so you so you gave your kids a choice and they chose the Redskins. Yeah, my. Did you son, try to warn them? No, saying. Do you know what you're getting into? <laughs> no. did, you, did you let them read any of your past Dan Snyder columns? No. Let them walk right into the bear trap. <laughs> walk right into it. I love the new laissez-faire parenting. It's a beautiful thing. Well, they'll figure out at some point. I also remember, as I'm watching the Vikings, I'm thinking of when you were on with me and Andy on the sports reporters all those years, and the Vikings were going through their stadium thing. Yes. And I, my, remember, what I, remember my stance to you the whole time was, fuck the NFL. Like, Tell them, you know, tell them, no, you're not paying for a new stadium. Dare them to take the team to L.A. And you said to me with the saddest eyes, but they'll do it. And then we won't have a team. And yeah. I think you were definitely right. They would have yanked them right the fuck out of there. Well, and I, th- I thought because Minnesota for a long time uh, had had denied Carl Polad and other and other. He denied they denied twins owner Carl Polad a new twin stadium. They denied Red McCombs. Uh, a stadium over and over again mm. when he owned the Vikings. And I just figured they were going to stick to their guns. And I was resigned to them going to L.A. or something like that. And, and then you would have had to go steal the Rams. Yeah. Or, or steal the Chargers. Or and that would suck. And who knows if your logo and colors would have stayed like the Browns. They might not have. Right. They could have done a Lakers and just stayed. They could have been the L.A. Vikings and made no goddamn sense. Right. Just like the North Stars, now you're the Wild. And I'm not sure if they care if that name is any good, but I think it's a weird... I I care. If they had come back as the North Stars, I would have been... Into it. I would have been into it. But the Minnesota Wild, granted, they've never been out of the first round of the playoffs, so that's kind of bad. Yeah, you have to have your own sort of history before you have an identity, so... Uh, But I... uh, fix that mic real quick. Get that thing off of your neck. Get oh. that thing, yeah, just reattach it so that it's pointing up. Right here? There there you go, perfect. Okay, good. Right. I, I mean, they built, so they built the Viking Stadium with money that they don't have. They built it with gambling money. Like, they were using pro, proceeds from a, a sort of lottery game that, pe- that they thought would generate a billion dollars. It's generated no money. 
So it's kind of awful that way. And yet, you know, I see it on TV and I'm like, ooh, the pretty stadium. And it ooh, is a, the it, horn. It is a great stadium. Don't you always, I cannot wait to see it because I'm, you know, the station's sending me to Minneapolis. I'm really looking forward to it. It looks badass, especially in the early season when the light is pouring through those windows. It's surreal. And just the birds just smashing into it. <laughs> the birds, they got a guy 24-7 with a broom and a shovel just scooping the birds up outside. And I hate myself for the take, but I do think the stadium has made something of a difference. Like, the energy of that place is different than the Metrodome. Really? At least coming through the TV. Have you been there? No, I haven't been okay. there. I haven't been there. I'll go take so, a So, you went berserk like everyone did when I went the Vikings won. And, yeah. Greatest moment in Viking history? In my personal history, in yeah. Because, because I wasn't alive for the Super Bowls, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know the, what that was like. It's the best moment in Viking history, isn't it? Uh, because along the way to going to four Super Bowls and losing them... What were the great moments to get there? I don't recall. Those are all prehistoric. Those are Bud Grant and yep. the snow at the old Met, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the only thing I know about those teams is Jim Marshall running the wrong one. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I don't remember any of the good stuff. I don't, I'm sure there was a memorable moment in there. But yeah. for me personally, yeah, there was nothing. I haven't reacted to anything in a Vikings game like that yeah. in, in my time. Because they've had other... The winning a divisional playoff game is not new for them. Like, they crushed sure. Dallas one year. They right. beat New Orleans one year. Oh, you kicked the shit out of Dallas. The, yeah, they beat the crap out of Dallas. That was really fun. You stole their soul. That but day. there was no... They've never had that sort of... Moment. Yeah. yeah. It was, you know... And to watch why. something iconic happen in real time was, yeah. was like a big deal. All right, enough of the generic Viking take. Sure. I, I, I paid this house call to Drew for one reason. And by the way... I feel like a prostitute because I'm talking to you <laughs> here at your house, and I'm going to talk to Andy in my car outside of Qdoba. It's like, yeah, you got. It's like a hooker giving blowjobs in his car for he's, fifty bucks. You have to it. sell you heroin when he gets on the phone. Exactly. No, I came here. I wanted to talk to Drew because your piece on uh, Bill Simmons and his—I'd call it a rebuke of the Seth Wickersham Patriot story—but it's not much of a rebuke. Your your piece on it was so good. I called it your um, it, it was your Frank Grimes moment from The Simpsons. You you know that episode? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where yeah. Homer lo- or um, where Frank Grimes, the diligent power plant worker, loses his mind over the incompetence of Homer Simpson. You lost it on Simmons, and you were so right about so many things. And I'll just say what I took out of it, and then you can elaborate is that basically Simmons, from the comfort of his, as you put it, flannel-shirted mansion, breezed off with a brush of his hand, with a fanboy's heart, the hard work and brilliance of Wickersham's reporting, which probably took weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, not longer. And was sourced by a bunch of people, and fanboy Simmons is like, eh, whatever. It doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I also found it naive that Simmons couldn't comprehend that Bob Kraft would have to make the call to make the Sophie's choice of Belichick, Brady. Who do I listen to? Belichick to keep Garoppolo or Brady who's like, hey man, when are we getting rid of this guy? Right. I told you I'm playing for five more years. What the fuck is he still doing here? Right. Like, of course Kraft would have to make that decision because who else would, right? And it seems like a natural progression of events because because uh, Garoppolo was, you know, sort of primed and ready in that sort of Steve Young right before Joe Montana sort of area. Right. Right? 
And there has to be, you know, there has to be a, lo- a hard calculation about how much longer Brady yeah. will last, even even when he thinks he will last forever because this he has magic rubber bands. Thing happened in Green Bay with Favre. And yeah. Rose. Exact same thing, and Favre hated Rodgers being there, and he was afraid of Rodgers and didn't like him creeping up on him, didn't want to help him at all. This shit happens all the time. So the fact that Simmons didn't even understand that dynamic, he can say, well, I don't think Bob Kraft would get involved. That's his personal opinion. But that, to me, was a totally plausible scenario. Now, there's a larger point, though, about Simmons, and you called him the most influential sports writer in America. Is that your take on him? Yeah, I would I would say so. I can't... I can't. Is he influential or is he just rich? Well, he's just rich now. Is he even a sports writer still? Uh, Was he ever a sports writer? Well, I think he would he would tell you now that he's a CEO. Like, I think he wants right. to be a tech maven. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, whether or not he considers... I don't really give a shit either way how he considers himself. <laughs> right. But it's, you know, you know when when we do our work or, or you know, when we bash Simmons, there, there's always the sort of cadre of comers who are like, well, he was there first. Eh, you're jealous. And, well, yes, there's always, you were butthurt because he has $20 million. And I'm like, yeah, I'm hurt. I, I want, give me $20 million. <laughs> right, Of exactly. course. That's, Let me start, uh, to, like you said, two vanity projects, you know, wh- one of which has gone under. I don't know how the ringer is doing right now. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. Grantland, Grantland was the first one, obviously. Grantland was the first one, but Grantland had the ESPN Firehost, so it was hard to tell, okay, well, what's the traffic um, they're generating? Right, ESPN own? directing all these people, Grantland, Grantland, yeah. Grantland, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's hard to divorce one yeah. from the other, so. The fact that Simmons did badmouth ESPN was rich to me. Just yeah, nice. they gave him millions of dollars! <laughs> You know, like, and they gave him that that platform, you know, to say here, create this subsite, yeah, land. where you can swear, you can swear here. We'll let you right. swear here. Well, let's talk gambling here. And you can hire else. people. We'll let you be a loss leader. Right. We'll let you make documentaries. You know, just yeah. just an insane amount of free, just just an utter a dream of freedom that, that a lot of people professionally would want. I can't believe. I mean, I guess I can believe why he left and was on the outs. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. Yes. I think you ride that pony until it gives out ESPN. I think so. Put up with their bullshit, deal with their management, and realize they're still the show. That's what I would have done. Yeah. But I don't live up there. I don't work with them, so I don't know. And the, the other thing is that, I mean, we're talking about influence. You know, I'm more than willing to acknowledge... That I was, I was a reader, you know, yeah. back in '99 and 2000 and all that stuff. The the sort of fanboyish tone, right? You know, that was something that he made. Uh, I I would say it was unique. Yeah, I would say so. It was an empty space that he rushed in and filled, either on purpose or inadvertently. And ESPN had none of that product in their catalog. That's they right. They were so serious. Very serious. No pop culture crossover. And not subversive. Right. At I would, all. Yeah. And so I would credit him with all that. But, you know, that was 20 yeah. years ago. That was then. So this is him. now. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing about the Wickersham story. I think Wickersham does incredible work. And I think a lot of guys yes. do incredible work. And I think it's hard to do. I think what's easy to do, like you pointed out, is to sit there and say, well, my buddy talked to Edelman and says it's bullshit. That's easy. That's You can do that. Yeah. Sitting on the shitter. Whereas real reporters have to go out, Don Van Natta and others, and grind and get the story. 
And we, you know, when I started at Deadspin, it was, you know, it was really like 2006. It was sort of that bloggers versus newspapers sort of dynamic going on. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it, all the newspapers got digitized. And then all the blog people realized, hey, we have to do more than just, you know, do port shouting. You know, like we have to <laughs> port shouting. Yeah. Hey, but, get off my lawn. Yeah. Like it was, it was pretty clear. Um, you know, particularly, I think starting right around 2010, where it was the only way that you are going to sustain yourself is to be the thing that's referenced and not the thing doing the referencing. You do yeah. have to, you do have to seek out your own news and stuff. And look, I still do more than my fair share of ranting. You know, <laughs> I've done, I've done honest to God reporting, but obviously I tend to do more ranting than right. report. Sure. Um, but, you know, I have certainly, I have certainly become more than appreciative of the value of the reporting that someone like Wickersham does that essentially lays the groundwork for all the takes, you know? Exactly. It, 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 it says here, I did all the hard work. Now you go give your half-baked take on what's really going on. Because if it weren't for me and the other guys that spent time on this, you wouldn't know about any of this shit. Right. And there's, a certain, there's also a certain subtlety in the way that some of those pieces are written where you can tell, you know, sort of how the author feels, but they can't, they're not going to... They're not going to go. They're all not the supposed way. to reveal their. Yeah. Like, if you're a straight reporter, you're not supposed to reveal how you feel. Like workshops not going to be like, going to be like, whoa, Brady, what a douchebag, you know? <laughs> like that's not going to be in the copy. <laughs> what a douchebag, man! It's ridiculous. But he will paint the portrait that leads you to come to the obvious conclusion that he's been hoodwinked by a snake oil salesman. Yeah. And oh yeah, it, that that see now that aspect of the story to me is still underplayed. I think so. And, and I hate it when people gloss over this guy Guerrero's past. Like, well, you know, he did some interesting... He is a bad person to he me. He's shady. He, he sold people in their most desperate moment an idea that his super greens could cure Alzheimer's, cancer, yep. other things. That is fucking evil, if you ask me. It's gross. Yeah. More it's, than gross. It's evil, Drew. And and then you You're have preying on people at their most desperate hour. And then you have Simmons Zero sort of sneering at it and being like, just, you know, why is he obsessing over this guy, bro? And <laughs> there there is a certain, you know, and you know, I said about particularly about Boston fans, but it's probably more prevalent. But it's just, you know, when if people see these reports that if, you know, deranged fanboys see something on ESPN they don't like, they they're just they they don't right. they don't they don't care about the substance of it. They just bitch about the person delivering the message. Yeah, the other angle is, of course, that every Chowd fan up there hates ESPN because of the Deflategate thing. So there's going to be that natural inclination to put your middle finger up against anything ESPN. Right. But why? You know, all they did was report it. They're, they didn't They didn't decide to suspend Brady. True. You want to hate Goodell's guts, fine. Join right. the fucking line. It's a long line, by the way. But, you know. Yeah. Well, and the, and the thing, too, is that, okay, so you can be mad at ESPN, and if you're Simmons, you can still love Brady and the Patriots and be all warm and fuzzy about this incredible run they've had. But I would think if I'm Simmons, I'd say, ooh, I want in on this story because it's fascinating to me, and I'm going to write an intelligent take on the dynamic at play between Brady, the Jedi, and then the young Jedi in Garoppolo, and, you know, Belichick and the owner. Like, I'm going to give something interesting. He totally whiffed on that. He just gave a fanboy take. Yeah, and it's weird to me because I don't think it's that hard to compartmentalize. 
I no. don't. I don't like as a as a. I'm a fan of the Vikings, but you know, I know that Ziggy Wolf is all is, is someone who has paid money <laughs> to, to make, settle legal issues to settle legal issues to keep him out of jail. Right. And I don't. I'm not like well, haters were just coming after him. I mean, that's that's. <laughs> I'm 41. You know, your brain has to evolve somewhat beyond yeah. that. Like you have to be able to have some. Some measure of objectivity. And the other thing is that... Do you think Simmons is capable of seeing that? Or is he just sort of just a, just a fanboy? Like... I think he likes presenting himself as a fanboy. I like... Just to be like, i Part of me says he's got to be smarter than that. That he's not fascinated at what's really going on right now. I don't know. I Because but then, but then why would he write that? I don't know. Either. Why wouldn't he be more intellectually curious? That's what I'm saying. Or, you know, or... You know, uh, my, my genuine problem with him because we, we get asked because you know cause we bash Simmons a lot and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you hang up bro yeah. there's just no risk in what he's doing in terms there's no there's very very rarely does he you know take any chances or expose himself as but vulnerable but he called Goodell a liar Drew I mean, paid me, for it with a suspension give me a fucking at which time he went golfing and tweeted about it and he left ESPN. It might have cost him his perch at ESPN. That's not bravery. That's he's not the Rosa Parks of sports rising. No, come on. I mean, I again, I think it's, I, I think there is a certain telegraphing where it's like, uh, it's important for him to present himself as a fan, so he sounds right, like a right, fan. Right. Yeah. Even though you can be a fan and still be, you be an swayed? actual grown person. Do you think you'd be swayed by the inevitable fan mail? From the true hardcore Chowds, Tommy, Boston, that say if he took a nuanced take and said, I understand what's happening with Brady and Belichick and Garoppolo, but I think the franchise has made a huge mistake. Do you think he's swayed by those inevitable emails? What are you doing, bro? Why you selling why why are you buying into this shit from ESPN? I don't I don't know about that because some of his take it was it was weird because the the take that he had was Kind of incoherent. In which what? Yeah. Was, what was his take? I, I don't know because he was he was taking apart the Wickersham thing, but all at the same time also agreeing with the with bulk of it, of it. Yeah. With that Brady saw Garoppolo as a threat, that right. Garoppolo should have been the future, that Belichick didn't really want to trade him, but did it to him as a favor. Blah blah blah. Yeah. All of that is of a of a kind with what Wickersham wrote. Sure. So yeah. I don't I don't know. It's yeah. it baffles me. I don't it know. Is. I think his brain's. Bad. I also, <laughs> I also sense that in your piece you are sticking up for all the really talented writers, who are grinding out there and are not making as much money as Bill Simmons, are barely making enough to live, and that you coming from that pool of guys yourself felt like you had to stick up for them. Well, yeah, because I think everyone in my industry is getting fucking fired. Right. You know. Vice got rid of their sports desk. Vocative no longer exists. GQ, the magazine I work at, cut, uh, I think, nine staffers uh, right. in, the, in the fall. Right. There's just cuts and cuts and cuts and cuts and cuts everywhere. N you know, meanwhile, you know, Captain Shithead, you know, he's like... <laughs> Billy boy. He's Billy just coasting Simmons. along and, and bitching because, you know, he, he saw can. an article. You know, oh, no, my... Does he have good writers at... The uh, at the ringer. Oh yeah, I mean he has some of our former colleagues. I mean he has. Who are some of your ex Deadspin guys? Uh, Rob Harvilla, who okay. used to be uh, with us, who's really genuinely fantastic. Uh, Kevin Clark, who didn't work at Deadspin but was at the Wall Street Journal. He's like really Clark. good. Yeah, he is he's good. there. Kate Nibs, who was at uh, Gizmodo, tons of talented people, and and I do not. Um, 
Neil, I don't overlook the fact that he has given these people jobs and essentially let them be themselves, you know. Okay, so Shea Serrano, um, you know, Shea Serrano, who is just inordinately popular as a basketball writer and a culture writer, you know, he he said after that piece went that, hey, I owe, I owe my career to Bill Simmons. I don't, you know, I don't hate on that. I get yeah. all that. But he's still a He's still a fucking dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> isn't isn't there something to it though that maybe we're just oversaturated with sports writing, just like we're oversaturated with talk, just you know, sports talk and sure. takes and television takes and everything else. Oh yeah, yeah. So there has to be some market correction, kind of like golf courses. They're closing more golf courses now than opening them because they overbuilt in the late '90s, early 2000s when Tiger Woods was supposed to make golf the most popular sport in the world. It right, hasn't happened. I th- yeah, I think there's that, but then there's also the issue of, you know, a place like, uh, I can't remember if it was LA Weekly or LA Times where they laid off literally everyone and then the company paid $5 million for the CEO to have a helipad, you know, oh, there's Jesus. that. <laughs> or there's, you know, there's really, there's the ESPN layoffs where, you know, they laid off hundreds and hundreds of people and yet the sum total of those layoffs don't really... It's not... It's a- piss in the bucket yes nothing it's a piss for for all this other operating expense they have and and what is it really to do it's really to satisfy shareholders who are wringing their hands right because you know it's just that you can get your house in order yeah get your budget in a line like there's no reason to not have ed word or reporting on the cowboys the most popular team in the nfl and to then keep some of these other nobodies that they've got on staff yeah so to me it's 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 a it's a concentration uh that is just bad, you know, that if it's if if more of the sort of resources and equity are going towards fewer people, then you're, you're not going to be able to get these people, the, the other people who are very talented, flourishing and give them a chance right. to succeed. So what's the state of Deadspin right now? I think Deadspin's fine. We uh, we lost uh, Tim Marshman, who went over to uh, another job in the company. Okay. So his disgusting White Sox takes are no more, which is great. <laughs> okay. And then, but we are, but, but from an ownership standpoint, after the Hogan lawsuit, that's fine. Where where are you guys sitting right now? We're owned by Univision, and they're great. Okay. I've I haven't had a beef with it. I mean, even honestly, you know, we were v- very fortunate, and I'm you know, and I don't work in the office, so I wasn't there for the they're truly New York, right? Yeah, for okay. the because I think the people who were there when Gawker folded. It was a very traumatic professional event for them, as mm-hmm. it would, as, yeah, sure. as it stands to reason. But I wasn't there, and so I was sort of sheltered for it, and Deadspin just sort of kept on keeping on. And, you know, ever since then, that's sort of been our operating philosophy. It's very, it's very annoyingly Belichickian, you know? It's just, <laughs> just head down and just, we'll do the fucking good work, and it'll work out somehow. Do you find your guys at, do you find at Deadspin, you're like, okay, let's evolve and start doing more of this, something different than maybe, I, I hate to say peak Deadspin. <laughs> peak Deadspin was what, 05, 06? It depends on who you ask. It's always something, it's always, think, some, it's always a point in the past. Okay. <laughs> it's never now. <laughs> well, you being 41, me being 49, I can say that, yes, my peak has already passed. But uh, <laughs> I would say it had to be the dick with Favre. Okay. That's peak dead spin. That's fair. Me. Okay. I'll, I'll, all right. I'll allow it. So is there, are you guys doing something a little different now? Like that you can see? I mean, I still read you guys. I think it's, I think when the new boss comes in, they will, I assume have. that? We don't know. Who's the new boss? We don't know. They haven't hired it yet. Oh, what do you, what do you mean by, by boss? They're good. Well, because Marchman left. So oh, okay. we don't okay. have an replacement. Marchman's replacement okay. comes in. Okay. And they'll have, and, 
you know, I think there are always things that we can do better. I mean, I remember I used to piss and moan at Marshall that we weren't covering college football enough, and now we do cover college football. Because you're in New York City, bro. Yeah! You, you, there's a blind spot. Once the Manhattan fades out of the skyline, you're like, what's out there? No. A bunch of college football, right? Yeah, I so and so we addressed that, and so I think we're always looking at that. Like, I got into an argument with, I went there because I was like, we're not covering fantasy enough, and, he was, and the guy was like, fuck fantasy, and I was like... <laughs> And I was like, that's like, why we don't have readers. Right? Everyone plays fantasy. You can't say fuck fantasy. Yeah. What year was it that you had to argue for more fantasy? Oh, I think it was this year. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Well, because it's hard to cover fantasy because it's sort of a joke that... It's sort of a joke to pretend you're a fantasy sharp, right? Because they're all fucking wrong. <laughs> they're just guessing. Like yes! Everyone is. And they're, they're pulling from the same trend numbers. Yep. Julio Jones has scored two or more touchdowns against AFC South opponents. Right. Over the last eight games, he's a great start this week. So to me, it's actually, it's a hard nut to crack because I think it's it's fun to write about and everybody plays it. It's just, you don't want to sound like Matthew Barry and I don't, <laughs> and, and I don't, I, I think there's a way to do it, but I don't know, I don't Talk quite know. Talk about oversaturated too. My God. Yeah. Fantasy talk, fantasy writing, I don't know how so many people can do it. They must make some money doing it because why would you keep doing it for free? Dude, you should see the numbers on Barry's columns at ESPN. Huge. Huge. Enormous. It's not even... He's the most popular writer on that site by far. (laughs) By far. Millions and millions and millions of people. I'm this close to quitting fantasy because I find it really increasingly stupid every year. uh, This close, Drew. I now only do one like season-long league, and I do daily yeah. when I feel like Yeah. I'd rather, I think I vowed next year, I'm just going to organize a pick against the point spread league with some rules like, okay, give us your three best and your one lock, and we'll structure the payouts. Because to me, that is more in your control, being able to say, you know what, I see this game coming, and this is my best play. And look at my season. I had a 67% season in 2014. I feel I am so smart. Because isn't fantasy an exercise about, I'm smarter than football about than you are? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole point of it. <laughs> and, you know, and it's once it's, you know, if you're four weeks into the season and you're own four and you are proven not to be a football knower, it's not interesting anymore. <laughs> Fuck it. I don't you're know. proven to be a what? I'm not a football knower. <laughs> if you are not... You're the worst like, sentence any man, any red-blooded sports fan can be given. You are not a football knower. Yeah. Shame. How many times have you how many times have you gotten some internet comments be like, you don't, you must not watch much football? Oh. Or like Twitter all the time. You know, David's got Cus- good points, but he doesn't really know football. Yeah. With this Kirk Cousins debate, you know, all the never Kirkers are like, you don't get the NFL. You don't understand. Yeah, you haven't watched the tape. I'm a smarter capologist than you. <laughs> I know his exact value. The AAB should be no more than $18 million a year. You can get by with that. they got other options. This quarterback, that quarterback. We'll spend the money on defense. You're an idiot. Yeah, and it's all horseshit. I know? know, but it's what us as men and sports fans like to do to flex our muscles. Yeah, so I think there's that element of fantasy that would have to be wrung out of the coverage, but I would want to figure it out somehow. What, what do you think of Barstool? Never asked you about Barstool. Uh, you who know, do you know over there? You know, Portland? Only my friend PFT Commenter, who okay, I like. Okay, that's who's, right. Who's my friend? I don't okay. really know anybody PFT else. PFT's from around here, right? Yeah, he is. He's a Skins fan. And I think he's a big Caps fan, too. And he's a nice guy. Would he do my podcast, or is he too secretive? Because his real name is not out there. He would do your podcast, okay? Or he would, or he would say, "Come on, my podcast." I'd do his podcast. Isn't that how that? It's how it always works now. Well, yeah. So you'd, who's 
Who, you your podcast You have sex at your girlfriend's house, and then she has sex at your parents' house. I love PFT, but fuck Barstool. Okay. Overall, fuck Barstool. Yeah, I mean, you guys think he gets Portnoy? Is Portnoy a bad guy? He's an asshole. Is he's, he an asshole? He's okay. a shitbag. That's what they say about you, though. I'm sure they do. <laughs> I'm sure they do. All of them. <laughs> so what's, what, what has Portnoy done that is underhanded? I'm late to the Barstool party. You like, know, I mean, the last I, year and a half, max. I, I mean, I think, I mean, he, first of all, there's just the sort of the gross sort of uh, overstated Patriots fanboyism that goes somehow even worse than Simmons. You know, it's like <laughs> like Simmons dumbed down to like paste eating. But I think levels. I think Portnoy does it almost as a troll. If oh clearly else, and revels in it. You yeah, know? but I think there I think there is a point in trolling where. You can't say it's an act anymore. Okay. You essentially become what you, what you portray. Ten you know? years from now, is Barstool still a big thing? Oh sure. On the landscape, yeah. Okay. I think things change quickly now, Drew. You they know, do. Things come into favor and out of favor all the time. They do, but it wouldn't surprise me if it stuck around. Okay. I mean, I mean they have they have an audience that's loyal. Right. You know, I don't see why it wouldn't stick around. Okay. And I think there'll always be a niche for. Just, you know, hear beebs and sports, beebs. <laughs> uh, the Ryan Shazier thing was interesting because uh, I saw your, th- your your piece on it and I saw Mike DeCourcy's rebuttal of sorts. I thought that was actually good. I had no you beef. You know DeCourcy? I don't know him, but I read the rebuttal and I had no beef with it. DeCourcy is a great guy, stand-up guy, great college basketball writer, reporter for many years, and a really smart guy who's level-headed. So you can have an honest debate and discussion and disagree with with him. I think both of you guys were sort of right and sort of wrong. I agree with you that I was amazed at how early on nobody was saying the P word. Like, he's paralyzed. It doesn't mean he'll always be paralyzed. Right. Holy fuck. We have a full-blown star player paralysis in the NFL for the first time in like 20 years. Yeah. That should be a bigger story. I thought so. But I also agreed with what DeCourcy said about he had the right to privacy, and he wants to control the narrative, and he doesn't want it to be negative. So, um, you know, I, I could see, yeah, I could see the NFL and the Steelers agreeing to that, both for his sake, but also, it does also conveniently help their image that that the P word is not in every Spoken. newspaper across America. Right, exactly. You know? And I've always thought, like, my wife is not. Uh, a football fan and every now and then we'll sit down and have the game on as we're chowing down on some kind of take-in food and she'll see what is a routine hit drew in the nfl routine hit and she'll be like ow ow and it was and i and i'd be like yeah it's a violent game but that really brought it home to me that my wife who doesn't watch football is seeing these routine hits and cringing at it and it and I think she said to me at once, she goes, how is it that there's not somebody paralyzed every single game? Yes. And I said, equipment, luck, human biology, that you have to hit your spine in just the right way or the wrong way, as the case may be, in the case of Shazir. The other thing that's impolite to say, and I think I said it even before this tragic incident, I said, that guy's a head hunter. That guy's a missile hitter. Shazir has been a horizontal missile-hitting linebacker his whole career and that is flirting with danger well i had that in the comments a lot you know i had a lot people of, were saying that his he head was, was down 
you know. Got well, to not only was his head down on that play, and anyone's head can be down in a split second at the yes. wrong time. I mean, uh, Mike Utley got paralyzed toppling over forward like a domino, which yep. was really weird. And you'd think, really, that was a paralyzing hit? But Shazier was always uh, just a wicked hitter. And I remember in the past going, Oof, they say you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to keep your head up. Well, and, you know, my fanboy take is that the Steelers have always been habitual line steppers in that regard. Oh, yeah, no, they're they, absolutely, they're dirty as shit. They're dirty as shit. <laughs> right, exactly. So what is the end net-net of the Shazier story, if there's anything? Or is it just get baked into the price of the cake of, yep, it's a dangerous game, and yep, he's in a wheelchair, and yep, we love him, and yep, you're going to bring him back for Steeler Reunion Day, and we hope that he can eventually crawl up onto crutches and drive a car, but the show must go on. Is that the net-net? I mean, it seems like that's the way they're proceeding, and I don't, you know, I did, there were people who were like, okay, so what should the NFL have done, Drew? And I, you know, I think that's a fair challenge to say what else yeah. would they have done. Cancel games? No. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Moment um, of silence? Not going to do that. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was a good rebuttal. Um, but there was still something that didn't sit right with me about how there was just a vacuum. Right. Of a total vacuum of information. And everyone presumed that he was paralyzed. But there was nothing... It just seemed like there was just sort of this unspoken agreement that we won't we won't pay attention to unpleasantries. Right. And I think the NFL, you know, has has dined out on that a lot. Sure. And then Ian Rappaport reported he was playing racquetball that night, which was totally wrong because he gets a lot of things wrong. Just kidding. <laughs> Ian Rappaport. Don't you love these NFL insiders taking shots at each other because Oh yeah, another guy wrong. another guy took a dump on him, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because he got the report about Malarkey wrong. It was NFL and NFL crime. <laughs> it is. I think all these insiders, they know a little and they get used by a lot of coaches and players and teams. But there's so many big stories that pop up out of nowhere in the NFL. You're like, how come Schefter didn't have that? How come Glazer didn't have that? Because they don't know everything. They no, don't. I, they don't. And I think, I think the other thing is sometimes I think a lot of I think a lot of sort of access journalism is dependent on also passing off information that is wanted to be known. Right. You know? And the other thing is that, you know, there's a certain scoop where it's like, like we, we never have transaction breaking news on Deadspin. What's right? that mean? We're never the people who are like, wow. So signed. A yeah. Someone signs here. here someone got news. traded. That yeah. is left to that group of people. Right. And how they split up their scoops who is to say? But there is there is a certain unofficial rationing that clearly goes around. Yeah. And these scoops last for about, what, five minutes max? Yeah. In the lifespan, because once somebody reports it, psh, it goes out everywhere? Yeah. Like, I don't see the time and effort and resource and money put into being five minutes more right about something in the NFL. Yeah, you'll get, right like, you'll get a manual retreat from, like, Peter King being like, <laughs> good get, Adam. Good nugget. All right. Uh, this is a... Five minutes or less to close out today, although sure. I'm sure we could do a lot longer on it. But um, Twitter. I'm wondering if Drew McGarry has an idea on how to fix Twitter. If it even needs fixing. Like how they would make money? That's a good question. Are they making money at Twitter? <laughs> Fuck no. No? Money. No, man. When are they going to make money? I bet their investors are like, yeah, hey, knock, knock. 
when are we going to make money on this thing? I mean, I think it's very, very difficult because they're a public company now. And so, you know, the, the shareholders are basically like, well, you need to have more, more users. And like, there's only 7 billion people on the earth. Like, you run how out many, of users. How many eventually. users do they have, roughly speaking? Oh, my God. I don't know. A it's less than Facebook, though, right? It's less than Facebook, but it's just there are these unreasonable expectations and the only thing that matters is growing their user base and so that means they'll let in every bot and racist and asshole that that's, they can get. See, that's the thing. Now, now they're into the weeds on trying to monitor and block and suspend and do all this micromanaging of all the big you know, fray that it is and I don't see this working out for them. They'll go crazy trying to administer it all. That's right. And they'll, they'll fail and... Right. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think probably the the answer would be having people pay for it, but nobody wants to pay for it, or it would nobody be wants to pay for anything. Or it would essentially be you know what Facebook and Google have done, which is extreme data mining, where you know, Google knows you know what the inside of your fucking colon looks like, and then sells it to <laughs> Waffle you know, House. Tell you what, Google does know what I'm shopping for. They know what I want. They put shit. They put electronics and cameras on my. Web pages going, hey, I could use that. Oh, it's there. so gross, isn't it's, it? It's the worst. Well, I was thinking of a Twitter that was like a verified Twitter, like a mini Facebook, where to Twitter be on elite, to be on Twitter two or Twitter elite, you had to be a real person that's identifiable, and that you would have to have, let's say, a credit card on file that pays a nominal fee, like a dollar a month. Right. To be on Twitter to say, okay, I'm part of a community of voices, but I'm a real person. I'm not a bot, and I'm not going to go off and flame somebody with some horrible shit, you know. Would that work, or would people go, fuck that, I'm not going to be part of that? No, because I think they would just, someone would invent free Twitter with a, you know, with a Y instead of the I, and then people would just use that or right. something like that. I don't know. I don't know that. What's the next big Twitter, then? That's the next know. big thing. My kid uses Snapchat and does not use Twitter because I that forbade her from using Twitter. Um, is Snapchat any better? That's well, what all the kids are using Snapchat. Because it can be private and then and the messages disappear. Supposed to disappear. Supposed to disappear. Do they disappear? Probably not. Yeah. Um, you know, and I it's difficult. I mean, you and I are both parents and we have to manage our kids' digital lives and not only is it scary, but it's also a pain in the ass. Like, you don't want to look at every fucking thing your kid looks at because no. there's no, there's not enough time in a day, you know? <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to look through a browsing history. I'm not going to do that. Oh, you have. Come on. You have and you will. And I've looked through tabs. <laughs> That's looking. <laughs> well, I don't want to look. <laughs> I know you don't want to look. And your daughter is how old now? 11. Yeah. And so, you know, so the next thing, I don't, I don't know. And I yeah. think... I am also at the age where, you know, me predict, predicting the next thing is a hilarious joke, you know, where it's like, mm, I'm thinking hinge. Are you working on a book right now? I got to get started on one. I, I had a, I know the novel I started, but I haven't, I have your bookshelf here. You got the hike. Yeah. You got, uh, uh, careful. Someone's going to get hurt. Yeah. Postmortals downstairs somewhere. Men with balls. That's somewhere up there. Men with balls is somewhere around. What else? That's it. Four books? Four books. Which I got one, right. Which one sold the best? Uh, Postmortal, I believe. Postmortal. How many copies? Sixty thousand. Something like that. I have not made a bestseller list, so that's. What do you need to is, be on the bestseller list? It really depends, but I, it's the thorn in my side, so I have to. And and that's your goal. 
That'd yeah, be a I think so. That'd be a writer's championship for you, right? Yeah. You'd, hang, be... you'd hang a banner. Your wife would get you a banner that says bestseller. I would put, the Twitter bio would say New York Times bestselling author. Yeah. You'd be like, yeah, yeah bitch. <laughs> you did take that. It would be that and the New York Times bestseller. That and the CHOP championship would. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about your appearance on CHOP. Those would, hilarious. Be the, those would be the, uh, the two Twitter bios. All right. So real quick, just on the way out the door here, where will you be watching the Viking game on Sunday? Uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about alone? finding, I think I'm going to be alone because, in a rubber room. well, I thought I was going to find a Vikings bar in DC, but the only one that I saw was in like Pentagon city and I don't want to go to fucking Pentagon city. Okay. So There's, you're watching at home. I'm probably going to watch at home downstairs and just start yelling. And will your kids and wife be anywhere nearby? Yeah. My son will watch. Okay. They Even will. though he's a Redskins fan. Yeah, yeah. 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 If, if the Vikings lose, will your son run his mouth a bit? He, like, ha-ha. Nah. Okay. Because he kind of likes the Vikings. Too. Okay, cool. I've had neighborhood kids. It was it was not this year. It was last year. Because the Vikings beat the Redskins this year. But I think they I think they lost to the Skins last year. We or, did, yeah. Yes. We beat you last year. And and neighborhood kids were like, ah. And I was like, ah. <laughs> that's fair. And if they make the Super Bowl, you'll be the happiest Viking fan ever, right? I'll be there. So we'll go get a beer. Awesome. I'm in, I'm in Minnesota. Thanks for having me in your house. Yeah, yeah, of course. All right, we'll leave you this today real quick. Apparently, the Our Lady of Lords Catholic Church in downtown Minneapolis decided to tweet out a little reminder to the faithful and maybe the not-so-faithful. Their tweet simply said, they made a little graphic of this, if you made any promises during the last 10 seconds, and there's a Viking logo, Sunday Masses are at 8.30, 11 and 7 p.m. Our Lady of Lords Catholic Church, downtown Minneapolis. Now that is good right there. I don't know how many people prayed. I do know a lot of tattooed Viking fans after the fact made sure to have their sister-in-law videotape them vertically screaming F-bombs from one end of the house to the other while ranting like a lunatic. For that alone, you too should go to church. All right, that'll do it for me today on the Zabecast. Thank you so much, as always, for checking it out and coming on by. Remember, tell two friends about it. Download, subscribe at iTunes and Google Play. Correct my mistakes. Send me feedback and whatever else you want to do. We'll just keep these coming along because there's so much in sports that is so interesting, and I love to talk about it with you guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next time.